Hello and welcome to the 19th episode of Woman Conversations for the Curious, a podcast I created for women looking to squeeze more juice out of life. I'm Amy Crawford, founder of Online Wellness Hub, The Holistic Ingredient, mindset therapist, blogger, whole food lover, and more than a little bit passionate about helping you feel comfortable around what it is to be a woman. today, I'm welcoming one of the most qualified and sought after relationship and intimacy experts in Australia, Isaiah McKimmy. Isaiah is a couples therapist, sex therapist, sexologist and coach. And let me tell you, she's been very busy. Isaiah holds a master's degree in relational psychotherapy, a master's degree in science in medicine, in sexual counselling and psychosexual therapy, a postgraduate diploma of sexology, and a certificate from the prestigious Institute for the Advanced Studies of Human Sexuality. Isaiah, you are one busy lady. <laughs> Thank it's you certainly happy when you put it like that. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Can I just ask, how did you even have time to experience your own relationships with throughout all of that study? <laughs> it's, you know, it's such a good question. I kind of got to the end of that and looked back and really went, how did I, how did I do that? How did, how did I fit all of that in? But somehow, somehow I did. Somehow we do, right? That's, that's what do. we do as women. You prioritise the stuff that really matters. And obviously you found your passion, didn't you? Your calling. Yeah. I did. And, you know, and I got... I got really organized. I, that was one thing that I, I definitely know about myself from that time. I was very, very organized. I managed to plan ahead and, and yeah, and prioritize what was important. Yeah. Amazing. What an introduction. <laughs> now I, am I right in saying that your journey into this world commenced about 15 years ago upon your experience at a Tantra workshop? Yeah, that's right. So I went to a music festival and kind of found a Tantra workshop. And, and I don't even know how I knew what Tantra was or if I knew what, what Tantra was uh, at that point. Uh, there was certainly no Tantra workshops in Wangaratta where, where I grew up and where I had, you know, most of my sex education. Um, but Tantra, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's really what, what we know in the West is really, I guess, a uh, westernized form kind of a neo-tantra of um, it's a really a form of yoga and a spiritual practice and philosophy that just happens to have really great benefits for our sex life and that tends to be what we most know it for in the west yeah so you had that experience and then can I ask what was it about that experience that then set you off on this path going to my first tantra workshops were I think really the first time that I felt like I had permission to be a sexual being without being afraid of it, to be able to explore that sensual part of myself, which had always been there and which I had explored, but it always come with all this kind of shame and should I, and what exactly am I doing here? So Tantra really gave me really permission for the first time in my life to enjoy that and to explore it. But more than that, for me, Tantra 
also helped me feel really comfortable in my body, which I had never had. I had really struggled with body image growing up. Uh, by my early 20s, I still wasn't very comfortable in my own skin and Tantra really started to shift that for me. And so that's what really led me on the journey to doing more Tantra and learning more uh, of what I could about Tantra and, and sexuality and how to have really amazing relationships. Mm, so you had, thank you for sharing, you had come out of a corporate career prior to this? I was finishing my degree in environment and we were kind of being primed to go into environmental policy making. And I had had some um some work experience I was kind of dipping my toe into that field but it just really didn't feel right for me and so one of the ways that I felt I could contribute to the world was helping people feel better about themselves and my belief was and is that when we feel good about ourselves and when we have the support that we're all really looking for we make better choices for for the world and so that's really what um what led me to be doing this as a career I see and so these days could you just give us a little bit of a sense of what might might be a typical week for you in terms of the sort of work that you're doing yeah, great question. So this is, I mean, my work has evolved so much over, over the last 15 years. Um, let's see, my week start actually, Monday is always my writing day. So I write an advice column for news.com.au where people send me their questions about sex, uh, relationships and intimacy every week. So uh, I'm often answering those or writing other articles for um, brands online and websites. Then I move into my, my therapy work, which is about half and half working with couples and working with individuals. So I support um, women and couples with challenges like uh, desire discrepancy or low libido, challenges reaching orgasm. Um, kind of a, a lack of sexual confidence, like women particularly who just don't know how to really express themselves in, in that arena or couples who feel like they've lost the spark or never really had the spark together and want to know what it is to explore that. You know, I also work in more of the couples therapy sense where I'm working with couples who just aren't able to resolve some of their arguments and challenges or feel like they're drifting apart in some way. Okay, so it's really quite a varied array isn't it of support that you're providing people well I'm hoping you might be able to support a number of my listeners actually today because there has been a little bit of a recurring theme that's come up I I shared a podcast a few probably now a couple of months ago around some mindset tips and tools for a more positive online dating experience I have many years of online dating experience Hosea and um, I feel quite um, qualified to be speaking about this but one when I shared this podcast, I, I and even actually in my therapy practice, I had a number of women that would reply to me and say, "I don't know, I don't know what's going on for me. Um, I only ever attract, seem to attract ghosters. I only seem to attract men that treat me really badly. Men are, all, they're all assholes. Um, they're all, they're just all emotionally unavailable. I don't know what it is. What is it about me?" And I've got lots of my own theories around that, but I thought I'd ask an expert. <laughs> so um, why is it that some women find themselves good, getting caught up with men who aren't ready to commit or who are and are emotionally unavailable again and again? I think this is probably a very big question. 
Oh, this is a, and this is a question that I have to say hits really close to home for me. So everything that I'm sharing today, um, for anyone listening, please know that I share this with the deepest compassion because this is something that I have had to look at for myself yeah. over the years as well. And I'm still journeying with, I think, you know, intimacy and creating more connected relationships are really something that we're all always doing the work on. So yeah, this hits home for me big time. Um, it's so cliched, but I think where I really have to start with this is that it comes back to ourselves. We cannot just simply blame it's the men, it's the people out there, it's dating apps. Really, there is something within us that keeps attracting these men over and over again. And, you know, and one of the things that I love about recognizing that is that when we realize that we're part of the problem, we also recognize that we then have the power to, mm. to start to change things. So for me, um, and I'm, I'm really interested to hear your perspective on this as well. For me, our relationship patterns start really early in our childhood. It's the relationships that we have with our primary caregivers. It's the relationships that we witness in those very early years that start to form the blueprints of, of what we expect and, and how we show up in our relating. Mm -hmm. So we might've had caregivers who weren't able to attend to our needs um, or attended to our needs in ways that didn't feel good for us. So actually intimacy, even though it's something that we all kind of long for, there are ways that we kind of block ourselves from it in, in various different ways as, as well. And I think one of the things that I had to recognize for myself was um, that in not feeling validated by my caregivers and not feeling that they were there to be able to meet my needs, I would unconsciously recreate that with the people that I was, I was dating. So I would somehow repeatedly find ways of dating someone who seemed really available at the beginning and seemed like they were really into me, but wouldn't be able to take that relationship to the next level or to give me the kind of um, commitment and intimacy that, that at my core, I'm really wanting, but, um, there, there have definitely been patterns that have, that have kept me away from that. And possibly at your core, you really wanted, but deep down didn't really feel worthy of or deserving of. Did that ever come up for you? Because I imagine that would be quite common, that deep-seated belief or disbelief that you, could, you are deserving of this incredible human coming in to meet you. Yeah, and, and that there was... Um, um, there's often something of, of safety yeah. in choosing someone who isn't fully available. So it's yeah. that we believe we're not worthy of it or if someone really sees who we are, then they won't and then they won't love us. And so they might be showing up saying all the right things to begin with, but when it comes to oh, that deeper level, they're, they're not able to give it. And I think, you know, one of those really hard truths is we attract unavailable people because there are ways that we're unavailable and and you know for myself that was that was really creating a kind of safety it's actually yeah. safer for me if I'm not fully seen it's it's safer 
I, I'd like to share a personal experience there because it's that word safety is really resonating with me. So over, I, there was a period through over the last few years where I knew that I wanted a committed relationship, but there was something very deep, deep inside of me that I, I could sense. I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite imagine it. You know, I had the vision board, but I, when I really felt into it, I couldn't feel it to every cell of my body, this person adoring me. And, and at its core, there was a number of things going on, but certainly one of those was a fear of, was a fear of being hurt, um, a fear of being abandoned and having the rug pulled out from under my feet, which had hadn't happened a couple of times in my life in a terribly shocking way, like shocking as in it came out of nowhere, totally blindsided. And what I found myself doing, my pattern, and I just, I share this because there could be some other women that might be doing some similar, choosing some similar men, but I was choosing men as an example who were interstate that I couldn't have wholly because they weren't available. For, they weren't, there was no intention for me moving interstate or then moving down. So that was just safe. And I convinced myself that that was enough. Or I chose um, a man who was either in an open relationship or non-monogamous, not that there is anything wrong with either of these relationship types, but I, it's not what I ultimately sought, but I chose them because I was safer. They couldn't, they could never, I could never have all of them anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, and oh, I, that, I, that, you, that. I kept on, I remember, I, rec I started recognising when that pattern was really underway and that's when I decided I had to start saying no to the types of relationships that just weren't going to serve me long term and that's when I met my fiancé. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I totally relate to that as well. Like for, you know, for many years of my life, even though I was exploring intimate relating I was, I wasn't doing that in a way that was committed. So open relationships, um, I was very open about my sexuality. And, you know, like you, I also chose people who were in open relationships, which I, I think that's a really valid choice for a lot of people. But what I've had to acknowledge for myself is that that doesn't support the kind of relating uh, that, that I ultimately want. And I, I think one of the other things that, that I'll add as, as a kind of disclosure for me is that I also, you know, kind of chose men who, um, who gave me a sense of safety because of how they were showing up in the world. So often charismatic, very successful. I felt like, you know, with them, I would have a really good life, but I, I was kind of overlooking some of the more important traits, like how they communicated and self-awareness, because I was looking at um, some of the more, I guess, some of the things related to how someone kind of appears to be. In the mm -hmm. world. And the level of intimacy that they were, you were experiencing with them and that they were willing to offer. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that so much of this can come back to childhood experiences. So for those that are listening, what do they do? What If they recognise that, oh, yes, you know, there was a relationship that I had with any one of my caregivers that can might account for this, where might they start to rectify this or to, to heal that? Yeah, I think starting by, by really, really looking 
at those experiences that you had in in childhood there is something so powerful I know you know particularly in our in our culture we're always looking at what can I do what can I do but there is so much healing that comes in being aware that that already I know it it can kind of sound like a contradiction but there is so much healing that can come in just being aware and when we become conscious of those patterns and conscious of those wounds, they really do start to heal to heal themselves. And I think then we've got to get, you know, really kind of honest with ourselves about, okay, what, what do I really want and how am I contributing to this? And what are the early warning signs that I kind of overlook for, for various reasons? And then how do I start to show up differently? So if we're starting to communicate differently, uh, early in a relationship, then we're inviting someone else to as well. And they'll either be able to meet us in that or they won't. And I, you know, I think we can get so worried about scaring someone away, but really my belief is we're only going to scare the wrong person away because the person who is capable of the, the kind of intimacy that we're wanting is going to be able to meet us. In, that's in that kind of communication. One. That's certainly an interesting one because I know that, you know, it's easy for, for many of us to fall into this scarcity mentality um, where we fear speaking our truth and fear sharing our feelings and how we feel about somebody because they might reject us. <laughs> and I, I think years ago, I don't know what the book was, he's just not that into you. That, that, I don't know how many years ago that was, but tell you what, I, that was. I'm pretty practical, and I, I, I read that, and I really felt into that. At the end of the day, the truth of the matter is, he wasn't leaning in. He's just not into me. <laughs> um, and I think it's, um, you know, I'd always, I always do try and encourage women just to speak their truth because at the end of the day, as you say, if they are hoping to invite somebody in that can meet them where they want to be met, then. There's no point trying, you know, to withhold your feelings just to try and keep the wrong person, to ultimately keep the wrong person in your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, I I, I feel sometimes I'm, I'm conscious that I can be quite direct in my communication with people. And if, for example, one of my friends said to me, oh, he's not calling me, you know, he's taking days to reply, he's not often responding to text messages, then for me, my immediate response is he's not into you. <laughs> like, and I don't know how else to really, in, in, I mean, I try and probably fluff it up a little bit more than that, but to me, that's what it's saying. Oh, yeah, I, that, that is how... Are you in agreement with that or do I need to be a little bit more compassionate? <laughs> Look, I, th I think you're... I think you're right. Whether there's a way you can deliver it that makes it easier for them to yeah, hear, you yeah. know, potentially. But but I think you're right um, in in that message, you know. And I and I know because I have these men in my life, and and I encounter them on dating apps that there are men who are willing to reply pretty quickly. There are men that that do want to up their communication game. And, and, and so I think that we don't have to kind of settle or make do because I know that, that those men are out there. And, and I think it's really about us being really clear about what, what we're worth and, and, and what it is we want. And I think, you know, this is where boundary setting becomes really important for women. If we're, um, messaging with men repeatedly who aren't willing to take something to the next level that's that's a sign of, of how they're going to show up 
in the relationship. Doesn't make them wrong, but it also doesn't mean that we have to put up with it. If you know, if that's how they want to do their relationships, no problem. But when we start to set our boundaries, where you know, energetically saying, this is what I'm, I'm willing to have. And, and this is what I'm not willing to settle for. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah, it's those boundaries, isn't it? And this, this need that so many women have to please, and you know, this fear of disappointing or the fear of saying the wrong thing, but it ultimately so much of it comes down to that need to please that difficulty saying no, you know, and it's just, we just need to empower each other to use our voices and to make yeah. it okay to ask for what you want. Absolutely. We're told as women over and over again that we're too much and too difficult and too demanding. And I think the truth of it is that we haven't been those things enough mm-hmm. and that we haven't really clearly said, this is, this is what we deserve and this is how we're willing to be treated. And, you know, I, I, I get that fear too, that, you know, if we if we change the way we're relating, we'll, we'll scare people away. But actually there's, there's really clear research around this that shows when we raise our standards in a relationship, we do attract people that yeah. meet those, those standards. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, every time, I, I, I think I've spoken about this recently on a podcast, but every time we say yes to standards of behaviour that are beneath our expectations, we are essentially just saying, this is what I want. You know, we're just telling the universe again and again, this is what I'll accept. And so that standard just keeps reappearing. Yeah, absolutely. And something I really, I guess, want to kind of encourage women to think about is that our energy is really precious. And so we might think that we're just, you know, accepting that while we find the right person. And, you know, I think that there is something that that can be useful about exploring when we're, you know, when we think that something won't be forever but our energy is really, really precious. And so as long as we're letting that leak out into places that don't really serve us, we have less of it for the things, the relationships, the goals, the the health, the um, career that is really important to us. Mm. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? It's all very, it's quite complex, but it's fascinating. And I really particularly appreciate what you mentioned around um you know just stopping and pausing and being really honest with yourself we're very good at telling ourselves stories and and making excuses for our behavior and our choices but if I think if we are experiencing patterns in any area of our life until we start making a different choice nothing's going to change and so sometimes it can be really hard for us to be honest about our, you know, some of us might have some shortcomings or some things that we, you know, some areas of our lives that we need to develop. But honesty, as you said, is the very first place for um, a step in the right direction, isn't it? Just the awareness. Yeah, and it can be so hard and so painful. And, and that is where I recommend that women get support as well. Have friends that you can talk to about this, you know, because if, if you feel like you can't be honest with your friends about, about this, that's an area that you're also being unavailable, emotionally yeah. unavailable. You're not being mm-hmm. fully, fully honest there. So bring people into your life that you know that you can trust with this and, and get a therapist that can give you those, those ref- 
reflections. I mean, my therapist is invaluable uh, around this because she gives me both the support that um, that I need to just kind of feel like, you know, I think we all have that questions of sometimes like, am I an okay human being? Like, oh my God, am I completely like um, deficient or defective in some way because I'm experiencing this? So having a therapist who, who can see you and say, you're okay. And here's what I think it would be helpful to look at mm-hmm. is just such a, a valuable thing. I mean, even as a therapist, I know that I can't do it alone. And, um, and I know that none of us really do. The more support we have, the more change that we can, can make because changing our patterns and really looking at ourselves, it is hard. There's no way around that. But I also know that it is worth it. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. And that's where and that's that's where the transformation starts, isn't it? Getting out of the comfort zone. And as well as you mentioned, like calling in the friends, but I think, you know, also being brave and being open to the feedback. Um, you know, sometimes we can't see our own behaviors and we can't see our own choices and how destructive they can be. So allowing someone else to speak freely if we feel clouded does take a bit of courage and being brave doesn't it as well but another thing that that's coming up for me um, around talking to you about this is around the notion of um, those who will choose to stay in relationships that aren't serving them uh, and seem committed to changing or fixing the guy they're with to make it work oh, yeah um, so and I've been there I thought oh no you know I'll be able to change the way he communicates with me he'll soon come to understand that I like really attentive communication <laughs> he'll soon come to understand that you know I really appreciate act, you know acts of service and you know being kind and thinking of me on the daily <laughs> I'll, I'll get him sorted funnily yeah, enough he probably I'm, won't <laughs> but that's right that's right but it's the thing isn't it Look, yeah. it is. And I think, you know, that that is another case for um, for setting our standards really early on, because the way something starts is is the way it will continue. And yeah, there is something about um, giving, you know, uh, allowing people the possibility to change. We all change, but it's can we also accept them as they are? right now and uh, you know I hear the same thing I uh, you know as a couples therapist I often get you know couples coming in it's you know he or she is the only one with the problem if you can just sort sort them out and really really interestingly the feedback that that I hear quite frequently when um when couples are, are leaving couples therapy is you know I had a lot more responsibility in this than than I realized and um, and that they're actually really, really grateful for that, that it is a shared responsibility in a relationship. Um, so of course, being discerning about the relationships that we're choosing to be in, but also knowing that even if we're in a relationship, there's, there's potentially work to do on ourselves. And, you know, and sometimes we do just have to get really honest and and make the decision to to leave if something isn't serving us. What do you say then to women who, I mean, even yesterday, actually, this is an interesting example. I went to see my physio yesterday 
and he said, oh, what, what, what's been happening for you today? And I said, oh, the bloody numbers, you know, we're in Melbourne and, and I'm getting married in three weeks from this recording. Well, I'm hoping I'm getting married in three weeks. And um, the numbers aren't really looking terribly conducive for a wedding um, with borders and that sort of stuff. And he said, oh, you're getting married. Is this your first marriage? And I'm 48. He said, is this your first marriage? I said, yeah. He went, wow, you must be picky, which I thought was just was very interesting to say and I said and my immediate was immediate response was no I just never actually met the right found the right guy and he went wow you know but it's interesting the notion that when he said that to me because I've spent a lot of my adult life single a lot of people have said that to me you must just be so picky you expect way too much and it becomes really confusing because at there's been so many times in my own experience where I've met a guy and in the main, it can be it can be feeling quite good, and we seem to be meeting each other on a, on a on a reasonable level. But then there's some other little red flags or areas of that relationship that don't feel right. And so, because of all these people around me saying, "This is so picky, Amy," God, you know, I start trying to convince myself that I'm looking for perfection, that my expectations are too high, that I need to start lowering my standards because of all these voices. And it can be it can become very difficult to trust yourself. When that happens, when you've got those people telling you you're just too picky, one hundred percent. And it, it is. It's a. It's a really. It's a really difficult line because I. I kind of do know um, people, you know, and I've seen them. I, they're my friends. They're people who've shown up to therapy who have such um, kind of rigid guidelines of what it is that they're looking for that they um it end up ends up kind of inhibiting them ever really kind of finding someone and, and giving them a chance but I also relate to you and um you know I have had people say to me oh, well no one's perfect you know and it was like that oh and and actually big lesson for me and it's still really something you know that again I I, I'm not there on all of this. I'm I'm still wading through the the challenge of, of intimate relationship, like like everyone else is. Really, kind of learning to be more discerning about who I give my time and energy to. Because for me, my challenge wasn't staying and trying. My my challenge was staying and trying with the wrong person. I saw the signs. I knew that they were there. But just like you, that that kind of self-doubt crept mm. in because I that's that's what I'd heard from from people. And it it just we just don't have to do that. No, it's just it really is about trusting, isn't it? Just trusting. Yeah, it's so it's so it's so common that I, I will speak to a friend or a client who will go, oh, there were so many red, fat, red flags and I chose to ignore all of them and I, you know, for fear of being on my own and that ultimately we really have to learn to listen. Yeah. So this has been so illuminating. Can I ask you then as a final question, what, what would you say to, what is your advice to a woman who perhaps is dipping her toe into the world of, dating for the first time um you know maybe she's come out of a long-term relationship actually somebody on instagram told me this just recently she hasn't dated for 20 plus years and wouldn't even know where to start mm. can i ask what you might say to somebody just in a you know a couple of different points to give them some encouragement wow good uh, good question 
I, I still think that there are people out there, there are men and there are women out there who are looking for meaningful relationships. It's still possible to find those. It's possible to find them on dating apps and it's possible to find them in, in real life. I think what is really important is that we are discerning and that we are clear mm. in terms of, of what we're looking for. So trust yourself and, and dip your toe in slowly as you're ready. And also make sure that you're really, you're really giving attention to your self-care and your support networks as you're going through this, because it can be really challenging putting yourself out there over and over again, feeling uncertain, having to, to turn to your intuition. It's challenging. So make sure that you, you do get support. Mm, and if I could add something else to that as well, if you are someone who, as an example, is just who's, who's going out on a couple of dates and let's say one of those people ghosts you and the other person um, just for whatever reason doesn't speak, doesn't treat you well, this does not mean anything about what you deserve, about who you are as a person. It doesn't define you. <laughs> it doesn't say anything about your worth in the world. They are just two experiences you've had that have taught you something, I don't know, maybe around your expectations and how you can better manage those or something. But we have to be so careful about the stories we can tell ourselves as we go through that process. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean there's not somebody there for you. And it's really, you know, as you say, it's about gaining, gathering some really good support around you and staying positive in the process. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Do the work on yourself, get support and, and just know that it is possible. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Can I? Oh, it's such a pleasure. Can I just ask where, how can people find you? What are the best places to yeah. find you? So, so the best place to find me is on Instagram, um, asiamckimmy.sexologist or at my website, asiamckimmy.com. Uh, I am actually um, in July, we'll be running a support group and a really short online course for women to do this inner work on themselves, to prepare themselves for, for dating and to get support around that. But so all the details will be on my Instagram, asiamckimmy.sexologist and over on my website, asiamckimmy.com. Wonderful. And we will make sure that we share a link to that as well on the show notes on my website. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much, Asaya. Lovely to have you here. Thanks, Amy. This was episode 19 of Woman, Conversations for the Curious, a podcast with Amy Crawford of The Holistic Ingredient. If you'd like to learn more about how we can work together to foster greater self-worth, fortify your boundaries and have you in the very best place to invite in the relationship you deserve, I encourage you to take a look at my three to six month personalized coaching and therapy care package. Meanwhile, you can find all of the relevant show notes over at theholisticingredient.com forward slash 19. Until next time, stay curious.